Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition. I'm James King, the Bankers Europe editor, and I'm joined today by Ben Richmond, founder and chief executive of RegTech provider Cube, to discuss the changing regulatory and compliance landscape facing financial institutions today. Ben, thanks so much for being here. Hi, James. Pleasure to be here. Now, for our listeners who might not be familiar with Cube, um, perhaps you can give us a quick intro to what you do and also the backstory to the company, because it's quite an interesting sort of tale here around the way that you thought about regulation and compliance um, in the wake of the global financial crisis. So, yeah, so we're very much in the, in the space of regulatory intelligence and, um, and working across the globe to help firms understand what their regulatory obligations are and how it impacts them and how they need to act upon them. Um, Cube really came from, um, from what was the result of the financial crash and back in 2008, where we saw very much the need for a machine automated approach to uh, manage and understand and consume and learn and be able to read uh, the, the regulation as it's produced by all the regulators across the globe. And it was really through a recognition that um, post the crash, the, the you know, the financial crisis itself was going to bring about a whole plethora of, of new regulatory requirements and, and complexities, particularly cross-border, um, that humans weren't going to be able to consume and, and manage in, a, in an efficient way. And, and hence, uh, the vision very much was to leverage AI and machine automation uh, to go um, help create a much better and simpler way that organisations could be compliant. And did you have a strong background in in AI and machine learning before before this this venture started? Um, my background was very much around content, unstructured data, and so the the parallel there with the regulatory world is that it is entirely predicated upon unstructured data. So the regulators produce all of the regulation through their websites and disseminate that through different forms of documents and and different forms of data structures. But fundamentally, it's all unstructured. And so I spent over 20 years in that world of unstructured data with good exposure to technologies that, that manage that unstructured data and was very much um, involved in the sort of the rise of big data as we know it today and the move of power from structured data to unstructured data. And then more latterly, AI techniques, which really date right back to things like expert learning systems and the like, where um, where we could leverage that big data using those AI capabilities to really make use of, of unstructured data. And I saw uh, very much that use case with regulation because it's so voluminous, there's so much of it, and it's so unstructured and so unorganized that what I'd learned about content and big data and latterly AI was something that could be put to play there. And in terms of Cube's sort of journey, so you started in 2011, um, in terms of the funding behind your growth, what does that look like over, over this period? Uh, not typical, I would say. We, um, we, we, we didn't take on um, venture capital money at an early stage. The, the company was very much bootstrapped and you know, we were really focused on winning customers and growing the company from, from day one. Um, and so in that, you know, we had to be very, uh, you know, careful of our, our capital. We were good stewards of, of, of our finances and, um, and so grew the company really through bootstrapping and then some, um, sort of structured finance in terms of, of debt and private investment, but not 
um, taking the traditional route of sort of venture capital money and then into growth equity and then into, you know, sort of next stage funding. And that served us very well because it's enabled us to stay entirely focused on our vision and have a, a very long, um, long-term plan, if you like, around how we really want to make an impact in the industry. And I think that's a great thing for our customers because we can set our course and, and stick to it. Whereas sometimes if you do take external funding, you might need to, to meet the need of the fund or deviate, you know, based upon what your, your um, investors feel is a, is, you know, is a good um, strategy to, to be you know, focused on executing on. So it was an alternative way that we um, decided, you know, that I really from day one um, you know, decided to scale the business, but, um, but for us, it's been, uh, it's been a, a good, um, a good experience. And even though you've taken a slightly different funding path from, from I guess, peers in, in, in sort of the fintech space more, more broadly, um, what do you think your story or experience can, says about uh, sort of the UK's either reg tech or fintech scene more, more generally in terms of the growth prospects and, and longer term uh, sort of journeys that are at play here? I think the, um, look, there's so much opportunity in this this space for really innovative technology and capabilities to be brought about there's there's so much funding available today for firms um, across the globe within you know, fintech and rig tech um, and I think that that in itself is um, you know is, is good to help firms you know scale rapidly and I think there's there's very as I said you know very much in a, an abundance of opportunity there to really transform the way that firms think about and go about their regulatory compliance. Um, our experience, as I said, it was a, it was a good experience because we were able really to just uh, focus on uh, our vision and our strategy and our growth. Uh, but it definitely isn't the easiest way to scale a business, and it's not the um, you know it's certainly not the most straightforward when you're trying to you know grow a business through your cash flows and some sensible um, sort of financial structures. It's easier in a lot of ways to be able to scale a business certainly rapidly with that external funding and, and be able to perhaps, you know, accelerate um, more quickly as a result of that. And I think we probably, um, whilst we grew very quickly, um, we probably, you know, took that path in favor of perhaps a slightly more accelerated path. Um, but one, as I said, that enables us really to, to you know, control our destiny and where we want to take the the company. And you mentioned that the sort of the speed of that growth journey, and it's been a really interesting, I think, dimension to sort of to Cube's story. And I think today, obviously, you have sort of tier one customers all around the world, big global footprints, and that's a, a I think an interesting uh, vantage point. I think to for you to kind of perhaps tell us if you think that from a global perspective, do you think that AML and compliance standards are moving in the right direction, um, or what needs to be done to kind of harmonise perhaps um, those, those standards moving forward? It's an interesting topic, certainly in our world, within Cube's world, and um, and one I think that the reg tech industry grapples with, you know, on a daily basis, and and the institutions that are regulated, and the regulators themselves, I think, you know, also grapple with. It's interesting, isn't it, that we've got the so much dependency on the on the regulatory frameworks across the globe. So financial crash fundamentally, you know, came about because. The regulatory frameworks themselves didn't provide um, the necessary 
governance and, and adherence to, uh, to those regulations that, that, was, that was required. Um, we're now in a world where we have the pandemic and there's a whole different way that we now think about risk because in our world, who would have thought that you know, what did happen could happen and that um, in a very short period of time, everybody's lives changed and how we socially and professionally interact with one, one another changed so, so dramatically. And so what will come in the future when you think about sort of post-pandemic world is, again, more of a regulatory framework to work out how we deal with that and how those situations get managed, you know, because of heightened risk, there's a whole new consideration around risk. And then think about environmental, social, ESG is a big thing now. And so really the point I'm making is that it's interesting when you think about how far reaching regulation is, it's about frameworks, it's about foundations, it's about really the way in which um, industry works and the way in which um, you know, our professional lives and even our, our, you know, our, our personal lives are, are ultimately um, you know, they're ultimately governed, if you like. And yet we have that huge scope and huge situation. And yet we're still managing this through documents being produced on websites and through the hope that there's email alerts and through um, some data feeds. And, and it's all completely different in its makeup and its construct. And and it's a bit like, okay, well, we'll write the rules, we'll write a document, we'll publish it, there you go. We now expect everybody to do whatever it is that we thought um, you should do. And, and have, by the way, you can interpret that as, as you may, um, and then we'll come back and check and we'll decide if you're adhering to this in, in the right way. To me, that doesn't sound like today's world of, of data and technology and capability. You know, if, if, if we can create the driverless car, surely we can create automation in the way the regulatory frameworks work. And so to answer your question, what's core to that is standards, because you need standards on data interchange. You need standards on, you know, schemas and rules and, and how you actually um, interact with regulation and how regulation is produced and how it's consumed. Um, what good looks like and what the benchmarks are and how you should go about um, consuming and acting upon the regu regulation as it is. All of that requires standardization and, and we just don't have that in our industry today. We don't have that maturity in any sense. And that's really, um, I think, part of the challenge at the next stage as we, as we improve the, the way that we process data and the way that we um, deliver the technology there's got to be standards there that can can evolve to help um, make this much more connected, much more automated. And I guess the question here is, do you see a role here for Cube? Are you having these conversations with the right people now to sort of get this ball rolling in a sense? Cube won't do it alone. We, you know, this is a collaborative need for the industry to recognize the requirement for key groups, associations, along with the regulated institutions, along with um, the regulators to, to build consensus and views around this. But I think where, you know, where a firm like Cube can help is as an enabler and as a, you know, and a, an industry provider, if you like, of, of, of solutions and capabilities to adopt and promote 
standards-based approach. And so um, we and, and certainly other organizations that recognize the need for those standards can very much bring that to the fore through the technology that we build, through the way that we look at data, through how we publish openly some of the work that we do around data models, data structures. That's areas I think we can help. But I think consensus is important, um, but we can't, we can't just wait for everyone to agree um, because that would take an awful long time. So what we can do is start to, as an industry, start to create some clever and intelligent ways that we can, for example, interchange regulation at the data level um, by doing that with, you know, how we think about the technology that we, we create and how we open that up to, to share, you know, to share with others. So that's where I think we can make an impact. And certainly from Cube's perspective, you know, if we can help create um, an industry de facto around how regulation moves from regulator to the regulated, uh, then that's something we would, you know, we're very, very keen to do and, and focused on. Okay, and alongside that sort of broader endeavor, I guess, um, today Cube is, I think, in uh, sort of offices in 11 countries, you know, thousands of customers all over the world. Uh, so as mentioned before, a big global footprints. What can we expect in terms of a post-pandemic world for Cube? What's the growth story? What are the ambitions for the next year or two um, moving forward? Yes, indeed. So again, I think, you know, it comes back to the point earlier on, there's, there's so much opportunity there. We, we get excited about, you know, taking our platform and enabling firms to really rethink about how they, they go about regulatory compliance. That's what excites us. And, and we see, we have a vision and we see a, a way in which we can connect um, all of the, the interested parties, the, the supervisors, you know, the regulators with the regulated in a way that just helps really increase significantly the efficiency and reduces the risk of, of compliance. And so that's what drives us. There's lots more for us to do. And, you know, Cube's now at a shape and size where it's the right time for us at, the, at this stage now to fund the business more, um, to take in capital, to help with that continued scale and growth. I guess we have the advantage of doing it now at the size and shape we are um, and in a way that we know it supports our vision and strategy, whereas um, you don't always have the benefit of that when you take that capital much earlier on. So, so we, will, we will continue to grow the business in the way that we are. We'll fund it you know, through sensible means to really, as I say, to stay absolutely focused on our, our vision. And I think with our customers you know, who share that vision, we've got a, 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 long, a long future um, together. And I think that uh, one that can be quite transformative for the industry. Well, Ben, best of luck uh, moving forward with the, the plan and it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thanks, James. Pleasure talking to you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.